0: No, my Hi there, my, and welcome to Full Disclosure, a Stuff and Kale Productions podcast with me, Karen O'Leary. In this series, I talk with all sorts of amazing and famous Kiwis to find out how coming out was for them. This week on Full Disclosure, I talk to the fantastic Louisa Wall.
1: I value the conversation I had with my father. He talked to me quite deliberately about, mm. do you realise you're choosing a life and a lifestyle that will about a lot of discrimination, and that people won't accept you. And I just said, Dad, this—I'm not choosing it. Mm. I'm actually just being who I am.
0: Well, I am absolutely chuffed and very excited to be joined now by someone. I'm actually a little bit starstruck, if I was going to be honest, but I probably shouldn't have said that because now I feel a bit embarrassed. But it's the truth. By an amazing person who is not only a fantastic sports person, but also has been such a good advocate for the rainbow community has been a a Member of Parliament. I'm obviously talking about the one and only Lewis Wool. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Shut Karen. It's a pleasure to join you. Is it? So far. Absolutely. (laughs)
1: No, no, I want to acknowledge your work on behalf of our community. Just to make us look so normal. Plus, fair, you know, we we use uh, the opportunities we have always to demystify and for people to Mm -hmm. understand who we are what we stand for uh, which are the good things in life yeah
0: and why we're not yeah anything to be scared of yeah can you imagine people being scared of us it's Oh, we're such nice people. I don't even. I just don't, <laughs> don't get it. <laughs> um, we're going to start at the start because I always start midway through, and it never makes any sense. So I'm going to try my hardest to follow this, like the, what I'm supposed to do. It probably won't work, but let, let's give it a go. Um, obviously, this podcast is about talking to people in Aotearoa about their sexuality. How would you define yours if you had to? And you don't have to, but I'd like you to.
1: <laughs> oh no, kotakotakua ho. So I, I define myself as. Takatapui, which also um, enables people to um, identify me as part of an indigenous community. Mm-hmm. Um, so very proud to be um, indigenous. So my whakapapa mm-hmm. is to Ngāti yep. tu to Ō, Te tu Waikato. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also proud to be a lesbian. I'm not afraid to use that word. And, yeah, I, I feel really privileged about my identities because I've always known um, that I am... Um, an image of my ancestor. And we mm-hmm. had expressions of sexual and gender diversity mm-hmm. always. Um, and so I'm, I'm really clear uh, that people who have issues about us mm-hmm. um, don't understand history, but also don't understand the impact of colonization on our indigenous identities, which is why for me, tapatapui, and being tapatapui, I'm really proud of
0: well I feel like we could talk for about three hours or probably long for maybe about three weeks about <laughs> what you just said I mean that's a very very strong lead into this conversation so thank you for that when did you first have a realization or an understanding that that is who you were
1: Uh, when I was about 11 yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yes 11 um I had a crush on a teacher oh and I think it it's kind of starts like that it's like this kind of chemistry and this physical awakening and you don't quite understand what it is because you don't have the experience. I mean, there was no one that I grew up with where I could see. Um, mm. They were Yeah. Um, although, when I thought back later, we did. We had uh, members of our community in Waitahanui on our marae mm-hmm. and our expressions now when I think of trans women. So right across the Pacific, we have whawhawhine mm-hmm. and yeah. and Akabaini, And so we, we had people in the community I grew up in but what they weren't named that way and they, it wasn't talked about I was going to say was it that it wasn't talked about yeah and yep. they didn't seem to have relationships mm. but they were there and they were constant but it's only when you reflect back and you think oh yes they were yeah. but
0: people didn't know who they were and they and it wasn't talked about yeah so this teacher when you're 11 um yeah I just want to know who who she was <laughs> <laughs> no I'm I'm
1: sure she wants to know too no
0: well I was because I was like I was gonna say oh I remember when I had a crush on my um my football my PE teacher at at Wellington High School and she (laughs) will know who she is and she'll be now (laughs) laughing her head off probably so sorry about that Lyndon Um, anyway (laughs) (laughs) so when you when you first had that kind of realization that you had this crush on someone what happened after that how did that yeah what were the next things that happened for you well Not much. I didn't, like, I wasn't... um, You didn't start going out with your teacher. No.
1: I was so freaked out that I started to avoid her or Mm. or wouldn't go um, into spaces where she was. But it's a very interesting process, isn't it, when Mm. your body tells you something, but intellectually you don't know what it means. And it takes a while to kind of figure it all out, unless you have role models, which is why having role models on on TV and people mm. being able to talk about it yeah. and people being able to name us and us being so out yes. and proud, it actually is incredibly important because that can be really traumatic mm, for so young people and it shouldn't be traumatic. It should be a, a positive uh, experience and, and people understanding who they are knowing that they're absolutely normal, like mm. you and me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 yep. Or oh, that oh, oh, they're absolutely different, but that difference is an asset and something that should be celebrated.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose people would say it is about celebrating um, our difference and being inclusive, but because we're, like, reflections of our ancestors, mm. look upon our imprints, that for me is we're absolutely perfect as we are. Yeah. So sometimes difference means not normal or not yeah, perfect. It means we're other, but yeah. we're not
0: others. We're absolutely as we should be. So well said. I'm going to get that on the T-shirt, I reckon. Cool. Can, re- Can I have one? Yeah, I'll make you one for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So when was the first time that you acted on the way that you were feeling in terms of your sexuality? So then I skip forward
1: to moving to Hamilton. I mean, I became a silver fan when I was 17.
0: I know. Um, and I remember Parker. it. I remember watching you when you were still with Yes. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. my- That's why I'm starstruck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she she was my coach, and she was very supportive of me continuing an education. So she contacted my father, and I moved to Hamilton, and I became part of um, – it was a tech and university course, but it was for sports people. Mm-hmm. And I just, so I was there with people like Stacey Jones, Philip Tataranga, Tatarangi. Um, There were members of our rowing team. The golfer
2: the golfer, the golfer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah we are yeah, all yeah.
1: we are all part of this um collective and because I was a silver fern it enabled me to get into education and I'm mm-hmm. sorry to be so long-winded but I ended up getting a job for um that I co trust and it was within that context and they're called pathways now but I mm-hmm. saw lesbians like there were actually couples who were female and they were happy to be together and everyone knew about it and they weren't ashamed of themselves and it was beautiful yeah um so kath and sandy if i think about it and then there were julie and jackie who are kind of still around but you know you see role models and then you start to understand that relationship between how your body reacts when you meet somebody Mm. and then cognitively understanding that that's me but i didn't actually have a, a girlfriend until i was 21 and came to Auckland and played rugby for Waitamata, and again we ended up having role models where they normalised two women being together and started going to the clubs. Yeah, legends on K Road. Yep, yeah, and then again seeing that this was
0: a very normal expression of our humanity, and then I got my first girlfriend, and it was a beautiful guy. Was it something that you felt the need to announce to anybody, or did did it just did you just tell people as things happened, or was there like a coming out moment? Yeah, I,
1: I kind of just. I just lived and was. Yeah. But the actual coming out moment um, was to my parents. And Mm. it was later in the year that I turned 21 because I'd moved to Auckland. And it was more about this is my partner. Yeah. And trying to talk to my parents about it. I mean, to be fair, I think my father, because he'd played rugby in Auckland, had started to hear rumours. Yeah. And so then you just. Go home and I'm very honest and and actually I I value the conversation I had with my father. He talked to me quite deliberately about mm. Do you realise you're choosing a life and a lifestyle that will bring about a lot of discrimination and that people won't accept you? And I just said, Dad, this I, I'm not choosing it. Mm. I'm actually just being who I am. And he just said, I love you. And we love you, but we want you to be really clear about what will happen um, because people might not like you Mm. and you might suffer from, yeah, be stigmatized or be bullied or harassed. I mean, he was worried about the abuse and the violence, but Mm -hmm. you know what? Once you know you have the love of your parents, then actually it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks. Yeah. But it also makes you wonder about young people who don't have that.
0: Yes, indeed,
1: yeah. You know, and when their parents don't say, I love you and we're here to support you and we just want you to be successful in life. Yeah, so I feel very grateful and fortunate that Mm. my parents said they loved me.
0: Yeah, and that discrimination that your dad talked to you about, have you experienced much of that? Because I guess as someone that is in the public eye and, you know, first in in sports and then also in, in government, I guess that makes you potentially more of a target. So did you get some crap?
1: I got a lot of crap um, mm-hmm. when I uh, was leading the marriage equality bill through the yep. parliament. But it was a lot of kind of cyber
0: crap. Who, from, who was it from mostly?
1: Oh, you know, it was people who would ring up the office and leave messages. It would be those who emailed and said I was going to hell and I was mm. going to burn and I was destroying the country. <laughs> And you kind of can put that abuse and violence, because it is abuse and violence, yeah, to a particular side because they are anonymous. And actually anonymous people don't matter. Mm. But what they do do is test your resilience because it's pretty tough when you're getting a lot of abuse and violence directed at you just to let it go. And so I remember in 2012 at the, um, that Christmas just literally knocking the door and just sitting at home we've got a pool so it was pretty cool yeah <laughs> having a few bevies in the <laughs> pool with friends but really just um being quite insular because you need to reboost yourself and get yourself ready mm. because it was you know pretty taxing when you're having to defend yourself constantly defend yourself a the right to exist as we are and then as citizens of our country to have the right to access a social institution that actually is a building block of society that we invest in mm. and not having access to that and it being unacceptable and having to be the one that had to do a lot of all the interviews and mm. put the value proposition out there and be the face of it but thank goodness not by myself there's so many of us in our community and the allies who support us and love us who came out and so there were lots of other spokespeople I'm not saying I was the only one but yeah, it is pretty tough. Um, and also, after the effect, after the fact, like, you'd think you had a lot of people who supported, but then they wouldn't tell you to your face they didn't support, but then they just wouldn't vote for the bill, mm. or they weren't there to support. And yeah, because what, what was the end vote? Was It, it was 77-44. yeah. So it was quite yeah. commanding. We got 80 votes at the first reading, and a lot of people said they voted to um, just allow the debate, but... I guess the most satisfying is that we held the majority and that was quite a substantive victory for the community and I really credit the young people of Aotearoa mm. who came out and said actually this is about us and our future and how we see ourselves and I really wanted to um, open up you know, those communication between the older generation and younger mm. New Zealanders so that grandparents understood. Yes, what this meant for their grandchildren. And in many ways it was that generational conversation that I think tipped the balance and made it okay for a lot of my colleagues to vote for the bill,
0: which was fantastic. So can we just quickly run through the 44 that voted against it, just rattle them off now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? It's a bit like no. <laughs> it, it's a re- they're irrelevant and actually yeah. some of them have come out after and said they wish they'd voted for the bill. But I mean, have they come out as gay?
0: Because that would be even better.
1: No, they're not that. no, I won't say that, but no you can you know, say I think it. it's say a, it. <laughs> well, I think it's pretty precious and
0: privileged
1: to be um a member of a community that historically has faced so much discrimination and stigmatization mm. to get to a point where where actually young people are really proud and they almost yes. can't wait to tell their friends and you know they they can live from a base of societal acceptance and then with parental acceptance my god these kids will fly and they will be the creatives and they will do things other people d- don't think about doing just mm. because you know we're, we're but we're becoming so much more of the mainstream now
0: yeah you yeah. know
1: I just think it's not a thing anymore if you're gay you're gay and if you've got a girlfriend and you want to bring it to the week do or yes yeah. the rugby club or the Nickel
0: club it's like oh cool no worries so going going back, to, yeah, no worries. That's what I think. Yeah, but I've always thought like that. But I know that it's obviously again, like you've said, it still is not easy for some people, depending on their their environments and the people that they have to spend time with. Um, but going back to netball, so you like I said, you were seventeen. Amazing, phenomenal to be in the Silver Ferns at seventeen. Did your sexuality was that ever an issue when you were playing for the Silver Ferns? Ah, uh, the issue for me was the coming out.
1: Um phase and the realization and I'll put on the table I was never attracted to anyone I played with ever which is quite interesting like when I think about it but I was never never had romantic feelings for any of my colleagues and we spent a lot of time together obviously and changing rooms and all that sort of thing but nah nothing um what I got affected by was there was a very anti-lesbian sentiment across Nepal. Mm. And just how they. Who was driving that? Oh, just play a comment. I don't think it was. I was probably more driven by the time. Yep. And just the era. And there were some women who were playing netball who played other sports, like softball, for example. And then there'd be talks about them and that they were a lesbian, but they went out. Like no one was out back then, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I remember going to the 91 World Cup and there were some members. Like, of the Namibian team, mm. and it was just the way they were spoken about, like that. They were obviously dykes, and so it's just that negative rhetoric can. And then, because I was coming out during that period, mm. you internalize that and you think, I don't fit. Mm. It's not safe for me to actually come out, but and it's a very interesting process, though. Why is that? Like when you think about it, like how much it affects you mentally. Yes. And,
0: and, the, and I guess the big indicator for me is I just didn't want to go play netball anymore. Was that is that one of the reasons that you decided to leave netball and become an amazing rugby player instead? Yeah, pretty much. I just felt I didn't fit. And then at the same time, and I
1: guess that's I'm very lucky because I obviously had an aptitude in sport, mm. and my colleague Callan Marne Stroud, who was playing in the Blackburns, And she was playing for Verdets, just said, Come come Mm. to training. It'd be awesome. So I went to training and then I went to the game on Sunday and I did. I scored three tries in my first game. So you'd never played rugby before? I played rugby as a five five year old. Yeah. (laughs) I played rugby as a five year old and was banned from rugby because girls weren't allowed to play rugby at the end of that first season. This was the 70s. So I'm, you know, I'm aging myself, but I'm 51 and I'm proud of it. I played as a five year old. And then banned when they found out I was a girl, and so all these years later I played again, and for me again it was about my bond with my dad because I yep. rang him after that first game, and said he owed me a dollar fifty because when I was five easter to give me fifty cents try. Oh yeah, did he pay you? Mm, yes, he's paid me, <laughs> paid me back, you know, a hundred times.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm Tigers, Broncos, and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and, of course, everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit.
0: We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that.
2: You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs>
0: Because of stereotypes that exist, and we know they do, you know, I guess even for me, netball is seen as a, for lack of a bit of word, a feminine girls' sport as opposed to a more masculine sport like what I played, cricket or soccer. How do we shift those perceptions so that sport is just sport and it's seen as just that, or is that impossible?
1: Oh, no, no, sport is just sport actually, and if you look at netball now, it's pretty rugged yeah um you know so I think sports sport and there are women who are out and proud playing ball. but even with the football right? like people like Sam Kerr and yeah like it's not a big deal anymore I mean yeah. we've got a lot of out and proud members right across different sports so Portia and Renee I mean yeah. and people are talking about this it, it's not a big deal anymore but it was all those years ago Mm. You know, I, I made a, um, the Silver Fans when I was in, in 89 and went to, and we're talking 91. So yeah. back then it was not talked about. There were no role models. It was really difficult. And, you know, that's why environmental change, legislation, environmental mm. change is different. Um, countries and societies accepting LGBTIQ plus peoples is really important because it helps parents. To not be stigmatized as well, because families used to get stigmatized, not just individuals. And parents used to be criticized because people would say, obviously, we're a good parent.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you've made a mistake. You've you've done something wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And now we know that's not the case. No. That we're just born fabulous and awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And parents can be proud of their fabulous and awesome children. And all they want, like anyone wants for their child is to be happy. for them to be happy. And to have a sense of belonging. Yeah, and that's all we want for any of us is to be happy and have a sense of belonging, and that's why we have to fight against all of that racism, sexism, mm. homophobia, transphobia, Islamophobia, whatever it might be, where people call you other, you're an mm. other or you're different. Actually, no, you're just normal. You're, you,
0: you're, and we are all our normals within our social contexts. That's such right? a good point. Yes, I like it. Yeah, good. Um. When you were an MP, um, obviously massive driver of the, the same-sex marriage um, bill, but did you, just in your day-to-day MPism, did you get, do you feel like you got stigmatised ever then for being, for being gay? Um, it's
1: quite funny because some of my mentors, I'll call them, were a bit worried I was going to get pigeonholed. Mm. But actually being pigeonholed as a, an indigenous wahine takatapui who fights for you know, people who are less advantaged or discriminated against and has a very clear sense of social justice and I'm a human rights practitioner. What mm. a cool label. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can so argue with like, that. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that is me. And there's and that absolutely is what I stand for. And what I'm gonna use my privilege for. Like being an MP is an incredibly privileged position. We get to change laws that are about making the lives of New Zealanders better. So, no, I was happy for people to label me like that.
0: Obviously, I'm presuming that you felt some level of elation when the the bill did pass. Um, How was that moment when it was like, yes, this is is getting through, this is going to happen?
1: Well, because I'd played sport Mm. and because I had lost a World Cup, won a World Cup, for me it was that satisfaction of putting all your effort into achieving an outcome Mm. and that outcome happening. So it's incredibly satisfying and to see the number of people that were in the you know in the the parliament um for me people like Jules Jocelyn and and Jenny Rowan yeah lesbian couples who had fought for the right for us to get married you know it was about their legacy because there's there have always been people before any of us pushing for these reforms and you know you just happen to be that person at a particular point of time Mm -hmm. where yeah the public sentiments changed but it is about how you do it and bringing people along with you mm. and I was really proud of the parliament for the way we reacted but also society. Like after people just got on with the job and we were really clear we weren't going to force any minister to solemnize a marriage that mm. they didn't or mm. um, wasn't part of their religious ideology and so we this wasn't about forcing anything on anyone. Yeah. It was all about how do we create loving families as the building blocks of our society? And mm. the more families, the better. I thought, well, I think we all would say is, was the driver and allowing people to love whoever they want to
0: love. Absolutely. Yeah. Just going back to when you sort of were coming out as a 21-year-old, I know you said you just were who you were, but did you remember specifically talking to any of your friends about that and how? What did they ever say anything or was it just just was who you were and that was that
1: actually the only person who I ever confided in was my friend Rhonda Wilcox Ronnie and that was at the end of my netball career because a lot of the netball people just couldn't understand why and I and when I talked to her about it she kind of was just there for me for someone that I could talk to Mm. and um and I also had a cousin I have to say my cousin Tinny who um same age as me She'd come out. She had a partner. Yeah. And she was an older woman, um. So I did have people in my life who, you know, they but they all said it. This is a really hard thing you're doing.
0: Mm. It's
1: really hard. But once I found a partner, and it was after hanging around with a couple of couples in my wife's Master rugby team. Yeah. I just <laughs> then lived life. We went out. You know, we were together. Everyone knew it wasn't yeah. a big deal. And I mean, that's the beauty of having critical mass mm. where you're not the only one when you're one of two, three, four, five. Yeah. And then in college rifles, there were like a lot of a half the team, I would say. Yeah. Which, <laughs> you know, Marist, when we used to have our battles against Marist, used to <laughs> bring it up to motivate their players to, to beat us, but they could never beat us. We
0: were two guys. I used to play football against Marist and we had a little chant the way that we used to sing and it was, do you want to hear it? It's, it's really, yeah. it's, it's really smart. It just, It's actually very mean to Marist. I, I'm going to apologise before I do it, but it, it went on like this. We hate Marist and we hate Maris. We hate Marist and we hate Maris. We hate Marist and we hate Marist. We are the Marist haters. It wasn't very really kind, but gosh, we you know, really paid. It did paid the job. T- it certainly did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we always lost to Marist, but anyway. Um Louisa, if you could give any advice – well, you could give heaps of advice because you are so eloquent and you know so much about all of the things you talk about – but what would the advice be that you would give to either your younger self in terms of anything that you might change or, or the fact that you, you wouldn't change a thing, or to any other young people that may be listening here and might be struggling with, um, with being who they are? Well, my primary message is you're born perfect mm-hmm. and you're beautiful.
1: And that there are people who love you, but there may be people in your life who don't quite understand your identity or your uh, sexual expression. They do love you, but they just Mm. need some support to get to a place where they fully love you. And don't worry, because those people do love you, and society now is there to help them um, understand how important they are in in your life. But there are people out there who are there to support and encourage. I talked about my friend Ronnie mm-hmm. and my cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're lucky now. We have, you know, we have um, uh, groups where helplines. Um, I was just trying to uh, think about Tabby and the group down, Tabby Beasley. Oh, the Inside group. Out. Inside yeah, Out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Inside, they're fantastic, you know, and yeah. they're going around schools and they're celebrating our idahobbit day on the 17th of may and Mm. schools are flying rainbow flags and having queer straight alliances so sometimes you you know your family might not understand but that's why we need our public system to have these these groups so children know that they are never alone and and for me that's the driver of suicide because Mm. people think they're the only ones in the world Mm. and they're completely isolated and there's no one else like them that exists but They need to know that they're the image of their ancestors and we've Mm. always
0: existed and we're perfect. Well, I think that this has been a perfect conversation, Louisa. So thank you so much for spending the time to chat to me and I feel very enlightened, actually, which is not surprising because I knew I would be talking to you. So thank you so much for your time and I hope... Have you got a busy rest of the day planned? Much to do? What's your actual job these days? I don't even know what your actual job is.
1: So my actual job is ambassador, gender equality, Pacific tuia tangata. Mm. Now, tuia tangata for me is really important because tuia is to weave and tangata Mm. is people. So my job is to weave people together. And I specifically advocate because there are human rights priorities for indigenous peoples, for women and girls, Mm. for people with disabilities and also for takatapui, the LGBTQIA plus community, not only here um, in Aotearoa in um, the Pacific but globally. So I have a very privileged life um, about just being me, really, and talking about how perfect we are. But there's a lot of countries still around the world where being perfect and the way we are aren't appreciated. And we have laws, Mm. seven countries across
0: the Pacific, who still criminalise consensual same-sex activity. Well, I think you are probably the perfect person for that job. Um, But... I just, I, I'm intrigued by your job now. I just want. To, can we just go back and pretend I haven't finished the conversation, just so I can find <laughs> sure. out more about your job? Is that <laughs> all right? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, because I was talking to Elizabeth Kitty Kitty, and she had been over. Where had she been? Mauritius or somewhere? Um, doing I don't know. I can't remember what her official title was. But so, what in your day-to-day sort of work time do you just spend your? T- how do you spend your time? How do you weave the people? How do you weave the people together? Well, I've literally um, returned from Fiji on Mm -hmm. the weekend.
1: Um, So I was there representing New Zealand at the Pacific Island Forum Women Leaders Meeting. Mm. And within the context of that meeting, we're really clear that we advocate for women and girls in all our diversity and so our diversity are the groups that I talked about and yeah. so my job is to talk about why Aotearoa in New Zealand takes this position mm-hmm. and how we in our advocacy for women and girls also support indigenous women and girls mm-hmm. which by the way is indigenous peoples yeah. and people with disabilities and it's all peoples and the LGBTQIA plus community and it's on a base of advocating for women and girls yeah. but I've started using um, women and girls in all our intersecting identities. So intersectionality mm. is a big issue. Yeah. And then when we look across the Pacific, we've had expressions of gender and sexual diversity through
0: mm.
1: Wafafine, Leite, yeah. Akabaine, Palupa. Mahu and Fiji, it's called Vakasarewalewa, mm. which is why I like to talk about um, our pre-colonial, tribal societies and our language because our language means we are valid we are authentic yeah and that's what I've started to do so later this year I'll go to Vanuatu I'll go to Bougainville and Papua New Guinea Uh, I'll also get to the Solomon Islands and hopefully to Valu and I've just started yeah so it's a it's an interesting job and it is just about having being able to have the conversation and I mean the reality across the Pacific is that you know religion is really important Mm. and christianity is really important and what's been um heartening this year and i'm not sure if people are aware but the pope Mm. and the head of the church of england and the head of the church of scotland have been Mm. very clear that homosexuals are children of god that homosexuals need to be welcomed into the church and that homosexuals are not criminals and so the message that I'm trying to bring across the Pacific is not about marriage equality, actually. And when you look at New Zealand, it took 27 years post-homosexual law reform. So it's a first principles approach about homosexual people yeah. being children of God, as I said, prince of our ancestors. Yes. And that fundamentally we just want to be treated as equal human beings and therefore equal citizens across the Pacific. And so I'm advocating decriminalisation.
0: Well, I'm so glad I asked that because that sounds amazing. And just you just keep up the good work. I'll continue just um, talking to lovely people like yourself, <laughs> and hopefully that makes a little change somewhere. But I'm sure it does eventually, yeah. But thank you again so much, Louisa, for your time. I hope you have a marvellous rest of your day. You keep advocating for all the good things. And, um, yeah, just lovely, lovely to chat to you. Thank you so much. Kia ora. Kia ora. You take care. I will. This was Full Disclosure, a Stuff and KL Productions podcast. Thanks so much for listening. There's a new episode released every Tuesday. You can find them at stuff.co.nz forward slash full disclosure or wherever you get your podcasts. If you follow us on Apple or Spotify or any of the podcast apps, you'll get the latest episode delivered automatically without lifting a finger. Thanks to creator and producer Kate Langdon, Stuff producer Jen Black, and executive producer Chris Reed, and audio editor John Ropihar, with original music by Eilish Wilson. Matiwa Aotearoa.
2: Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility.
1: My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my
2: husband. That's me, I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth Unless you've been in it, it's it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers? You don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending.
0: This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby.
2: The human race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives... To create a life, I feel like I nearly missed out, and I got to do it, and so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz/slash/the-human-race, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories, or you just prefer to listen instead. The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. you also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read... Subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.